How's everybody doing this morning? Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year, man. Can you believe it's 2013? I'm going to be 40 this year. Some of you guys are like, whoa, young pup. Some of you guys are like, oh my gosh, he's old. I love that. We've got like a really diverse group that is Elevation Church. I love the diversity of Elevation Church. You know, Jim alluded to a few minutes ago the fact that um, there is something special about today, and it is special. What Jim said is the most special thing, that God allowed us the privilege today to be a part of His creation. Every one of us woke up this morning, we drew breath, and God let us live. Because He didn't have to. You know, none of us was promised today. Doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you don't know how long you got. So every day is a blessing. And as I thought about every day being a blessing, today I think for me is just a little bit bigger blessing than a lot of other days. And it's probably not so much something, you know, that, that God wants me to feel. It's just, it's just an emotional thing for me. The reason I feel that way is that today is the second birthday, anniversary, whatever you want to call it, of Elevation Church. We launched this church. That's for him, not for me, I promise you. We launched the church on January the 9th, 2011, two years ago this weekend. And as I look back over those two years, man, it's just been an amazing, amazing time. And as I was reflecting on this over the last several months, anticipating this weekend and just thinking about everything, I was reminded that most churches that, that get started I mean, depending on whose statistics you want to believe, there's a really high failure rate of churches. A lot of churches that get planted, started like we did, don't make it to two years. And so I started thinking about two years, and I said, you know what, that's like, that's, that's 104 Sundays. So we're not just two years old, man, we're 104 today. We're 104, because man, when you're a church plant, when you're getting started from scratch, every week, man, every Sunday, is a blessing. We never knew that we were going to have the second Sunday. We didn't know that January the 16th, 2011, anybody would show back up. We frankly weren't that sure on January the 9th that anybody was going to show up. Anyway, so as I was thinking about the 104 Sundays, 52 weeks a year, two years, 104 Sundays, I was reminded that I have a great-grandmother who lived to be 102. This is a picture of my Mama Toots. Yes, that's really what we called her. I, I don't think it had anything to do with that. I think it was toots, and it just, but, you know, I have to explain that to everybody. But that's Mama Toots. Mama passed away a few years ago. She lived to be 102. Pretty amazing. And I, I, I think about her life all the time, especially when I look at my kids. I look at my children, and, man, they don't have a clue, do they? And I didn't have a clue, and neither did you when you were a kid. And... and I think about her life. Mama Toots was born like in, I think it was 1902 is when she was born. And she's, she's passed away a few years ago. She lived to be 102, so I guess she died in 04. But amazing what she saw between 1902 and 2004. Think about that. In 1902, the automobile age had really not begun. I mean, I think the first cars were on the road, well, call it a road, were on the cow trails, right? But cars were like, I mean, most towns didn't have them. She grew up in West Texas. I am sure her town didn't have cars. They barely had a train stop, right? Mama Toots saw some stuff from, from 1902 to 2004, I wrote down some things here that, that just blow my mind. She grew up really seeing horse and buggy, horse and carriage, in her early years being the primary mode of transportation. That transitioned to automobiles. She saw trains for mass transit become buses, become airplanes, and then she saw space travel. You think about that. Born in 1902, horse and buggy, and she watched space travel begin. There was no such thing as a telephone in 1902. They had telegraph, I think, right? You go down to the Western Union station in town, you get on your horse, 
you ride to town, you get off, you go into the Western Union Station, and you send your telegraph to somebody. She watched telegraph turn into telephone, and in 2004, she saw the very beginning of the age of the smartphone. She went from no phone to your phone has more computing power than that spacecraft that took off in 1968. That's crazy stuff, man. She lived through some amazing, amazing times. Think about music, right? Music. I mean, we all, who has an iPod? If you've got a smartphone, raise your hand because you've got one built in. Okay, maybe it's not an iDevice. Maybe it didn't come from Apple. But, I mean, we walk around today with the capacity to carry thousands and thousands and thousands of songs with us. Back then, it was like a wax cylinder and, and, and a big old giant horn and probably weighed like 40, 50 pounds and you couldn't go anywhere with it. Just think about the technology that somebody like her would have seen. All the changes in culture, the changes in society, all the amazing things that God did between 1902 and 2004 in her 102 years of life. Elevation Church is 104 weeks old. And we've been through some pretty amazing changes. God has done some radical work in just our 104 short weeks. Nothing quite as crazy, radical, mind-blowing as the 102 years she lived through. But you know what? Our journey is just getting started. We're just getting rolling. We're still a baby church. We're in our infancy. We're not even really crawling yet. We're just, just barely moving. I can't imagine what our journey looks like in the months, the years, the decades ahead. Like, Mama Toots could not have dreamed what she was going to see, could she? As a little girl, can you imagine that she would have dreamed space travel would be a reality? I'm not even sure there were science fiction novels talking about it in 1902. Can you imagine she would have dreamed that that, that gramophone thing would eventually be an iPod? Or that telegrams would eventually be something you carry in your back pocket? Can you, I mean, mind-blowing stuff, unpredictable, unknowable, unforeseeable. Who could have dreamed what God would do? Our world changes very, very fast, doesn't it? Our world changes so fast. It's easy to believe that that, that generation you know, those, those people who were born in the late 1800s, early 1900s, that they probably saw the most amazing change the world will ever see. I don't think so. I, I think the radical transformation that they saw is, is just tiny compared to what we're seeing today. The world changes so fast today. I mean, think about it. 04, smartphones were kind of like, you know, new technology. Everybody has one now. They're smaller, they're faster, they're more powerful. They have HD cameras built in. We see crazy things change fast. Culture changes fast. The world is changing around us, and our church changes fast too. And I'm not just talking about Elevation Church. I'm talking about the church. The church can go through some radical transformation. I want to focus more today on what's going on with Elevation Church. I want to talk today about where we've been over the past two years. But then I want to finish up today talking about where we're going in the next 52 weekends this year 2013 because you know what we can't change what's already happened and we couldn't have foreseen it if we couldn't have planned for it even if if we would yeah it just couldn't have but now we we can look forward into 2013 and we can think about what god has done we can anticipate what he might do we can plan and execute a plan for where we're going as given to us by god so we're going to talk about those things today you know, Elevation Church, 104 weekends old. I think back to that January the 9th, 2011, 12 people gathered at our house. 12 people. Some of you guys have heard about it. A couple of you were there. 12 people. Jim and Randy were there. They didn't even bring their kids. They were worried. We, didn't, we had no idea who was going to show up. They were worried about bringing their children, that we might not have enough room. We had room. <laughs> there were 12 people. Five of them were myself and Trina and Lauren and Megan and Kenley, our three daughters. We were half the church right there in our household. We didn't have to go anywhere or do anything. Parking was not a problem. Twelve people. We were five. Jim and Randy and two other couples. One of the other couples that came was just there to wish us well. They were one-timers. And we knew that on the front end. We count them anyway. 
because they got us to double digits. <laughs> right? I mean, we counted everybody. Right? If we had launched before Kinley was born, we were going to count Kinley. I'm just telling you right now. She was because she was present. I'm just saying. Twelve people. 104 weekends ago. On Christmas Eve. 109 people showed up at Elevation Church. Blew my mind. Like we were stacking chairs as tight as we could. And we put out extra chairs before we ever opened the doors because the atrium was packed. 109. There were visitors from another church in town from Rock Point because they didn't have a Christmas Eve service and they promoted coming here. We were almost 70 without them, without those visitors from Rock Point. Elevation Church, 70 people from 12, 109 from 12. God's carried us a, a long, long ways. I think about that first year, 2011. It's ancient history now, isn't it? Two years ago. From our living room in January, we just did Bible study. I didn't preach, didn't teach. For eight weeks, we just did Bible study. We talked about the one another statements in the New Testament. So if we're going to be a church, we didn't know if God was even going to let this be a church. So it started as a Bible study. We just said, God, we're following you. The one another statements, all these one another's, do this for one another, do that with one another, one another, one another, one another. In that time of being a Bible study, the church started to grow. A couple new families came. In March of 2011, I started preaching right there in my living room, man. It was like my couch with four people, a couple of overstuffed chairs on each side, and a kitchen chair or two along the back, and I'm preaching in my living room. We got video of it with my, with my entertainment center in the background. It's really, it, I mean, wow. I can't believe I was doing that. But I'm walking around in my living room like I walk around up here, just, I mean, like this close, preaching. And we started out teaching from the book of Jonah. We did a series on the book of Jonah, and people came. People came. By Easter, we had doubled. We were 25. April of 2011, 25. In June, we realized we were outgrowing our living room. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we might make it. We might be a real church one day. We moved out of our house in July of 2011 into a little storefront in Louisville. We subleased from this really neat uh, a couple that we met through a friend and they owned a voice and acting coaching studio and they were Christians and they went to another church but they were great to accommodate us and I didn't know it at the time but we were paying their full rent by renting it on Sunday mornings. We were paying like by the time we finished paying for four Sundays we paid their whole month's rent which was great. I mean it worked out for us. We could afford it and it was good for them and it was a great thing but we moved into that and, and, and we grew and like I think we seated not quite this section. I think we were five rows deep, four chairs wide, and like we were on the road to success. We are going to be a real church. It's going to happen. Oh my gosh. Remember that? I mean, we were, I mean, we're like dancing and celebrating and high fiving. And people came. And I remember thinking at that time, we, we're, this is going to happen, God. You really are going to do this. You really, we're going to be a real church. And this morning I want to ask you, what's a real church? What's a real church? If you came from a church, you might have an idea about what a real church is. I came from a church that was like 20,000 plus on a weekend. Five services, Saturday night, Sunday morning. We had a band that was like, I mean, frankly, and they might have played U2 off the stage. They were that good. No slight to our band here. Our band's great. For the size church we are, we have amazing talent here at Elevation Church. God has blessed us amazingly, I mean, immensely with our music. I, I, I thought you had to have a 4,000-seat worship center and a band like U2 and sound and lights and, and a campus and huge parking and, and, and all this stuff to be a church. And, and God broke my vision of what a church was when he called me to plant. Planted in our living room, man. We were a church in our living room. What does it take to be a church? What's your preconceived notion? What's yours? What, what are your thoughts? I mean, is it some kind of government filing? Is it, is it filing paperwork and getting a 501c3 tax-exempt status? Woohoo! Is it how we organize as a corporation? 
Is it, is it hiring staff? Does that make us a real church? What makes us a real church? And in thinking about that and remembering that thought that I had of, hey, we're going to be a real church, I was reminded of a passage in the, cha- in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is a New Testament book of the Bible that was written to record the actions, literally the acts, of the New Testament church, the first church, the earliest form of the Christian church. And in the second chapter of Acts, there is a passage that God put on my heart when we planted Elevation Church. Frankly, He put it on my heart years before. He put it on my heart like 14 years ago now. When He first gave me the vision, the, 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 just the inkling in my heart, the planting of a seed of the possibility of planting a church, it started with this passage in the second chapter of Acts, verses 42 to 47. And these verses really spell out what it is to be the church. Here's what the, the writer of Acts says. He says, talking about the church, he calls this the fellowship of the believers. They devoted themselves, the believers that is, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and the signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added, to their number daily, those who were being saved. That's a real church. See, it has nothing to do with filing government documents or, or a certain size or having a building. It doesn't have anything to do with how much is in the offering or if you're podcasting, have a website. All the human measurements that we come up with, all of these things that make us feel like we've accomplished something, that we've arrived, that we've done something cool or amazing, it's trash. This is what it is to be the church. And so as I reflect back over the last 104 Sundays, over the last 104 weeks, over the past two years, this is the gauge I want to use to see if Elevation Church is really operating as the church. Are we there yet? Where on the journey are we? Let's break this down. Let's check and see where we are as a church, where in our journey we might be. See, this is a roadmap, and I think it can tell us exactly where we are and where we need to go. Let's look at verse 42 by itself. Verse 42, it says that the church... By the way, the church, y'all already know this if you've been here for very long, but the church is not these four walls. It's not this building. Um, This is Studio B. It's a cool place. We get to meet here. We pay them rent. It's a great relationship. Y'all are the church. You're the church. If you're here today, you're the church. It's the body of Christ, the believers, okay? So you're the church. So the church, the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Where are we with that? Well, Elevation Church, we gather weekly, don't we? We come together weekly to be taught God's Word. We're here every Sunday. Some of us are here every Sunday. I missed my first Sunday in two years last weekend. It was awesome. It was amazing. Thank you to all of you volunteers who made that happen, made that possible for me and Trina. We loved having a weekend off. It was really, really cool. I'm not ready to miss another one for a while now, but we loved missing that one. It was great. But we're here every week. Right? We're here every week as a church. We gather together to worship God and to be taught from God's Word. How are we doing with the teaching? Well, don't look at the teacher. The teacher's not the, um, please don't. Ooh, man, yeah. I don't want to be responsible for that. But God has done some amazing teaching here. Think about this. In the last two years, we have taught every single weekend, and we have taught our way through nine books of the Bible. 66 books in two years. We've taught our way through nine. Chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through like seven of those nine. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. In in 54 weeks, we've been able to go through nine books of the Bible. We've also covered many topical issues. We've talked about topics ranging from from, uh, uh, marriage and parenting to financial uh, 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 
you know, how to, how to deal with your finances, right? Uh, we've talked about um, spiritual disciplines. We kicked off last year, last January, talking about the Sabbath and having a personal Sabbath. We've dealt with spiritual warfare. We've talked through all kinds of topics that are real and applicable and necessary to live in Christ. We've taught through the books of the Bible. We've taught through these different topics. And, and the teaching, in spite of the teacher, I think has been really, really good. I think God has done some amazing teaching in 54 weeks. Dealt with some great stuff. But I'm not the teacher. God is. So if there's anything that's good that's happened, it's not me, it's him. Because, frankly, when I look back over the last two years, Man, I didn't know this was even possible. I've, I'll be real honest. I didn't know exactly where we were going or how we were going to get there. In the very beginning, it was a week-to-week -week deal. I just wanted to listen to the Lord and follow Him. Today, I have a little bit more uh, a, a vision, a little bit more uh, outlook on where we're headed as we have some history to learn from and God continues to lead. But I stay very tuned in to what God is saying and try to follow Him completely in what we teach and how we teach it. So I think as far as the teaching and the gathering and, and that part of the church, we're doing a pretty good job. Could we do better? I'm sure we could. But I think so far we're, we're on track with our roadmap to what it is to be the church. Verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. We're talking about miraculous things being done in the presence of the church, in the church, out in the community, miracles happening. God was moving in amazing ways. God's been moving in amazing ways in our community as well. He's moved in amazing ways right here in Elevation Church and outside in the community through Elevation Church. I want to tell you, in the last two years, miracles have happened here. In the last two years, we have seen marriages restored. Husbands and wives who were going in opposite directions, 180 degrees, polar opposite movements, have been brought to, back together. Divorce was like they were in the process, and they've been brought back together. Marriage is restored. We've seen addictions defeated. There was a young man came to me and told me about a pornography addiction. He's a married man. Addicted to pornography. Didn't go a day without logging on and taking in all of these pornographic images. And he walked in bondage every day. Couldn't look at his wife without seeing those images from his computer screen. We prayed together. We met together for about eight weeks. And that guy was freed from the bondage that he had to pornography. The addiction was broken. I didn't do it. God did it. He chose to work through Elevation Church to do it. He did it through you. He did it through me. But he did it. But that guy today is free because God led him here and because he came faithfully into a relationship with the Lord and, and, and submitted himself to God. Marriages have been restored. Addictions have been broken. Families have been relieved of debt. There are families in this church who were drowning in debt two years ago who have been freed from debt, not just because, of, like I've taught about money a couple of times. We've taught about the tithe. We've talked about financial freedom. I don't know if that started the ball rolling. Don't know if that affirmed what God was already telling them. But they sought financial freedom, and they talked to me about it. They sought outside help through another ministry that, that does that. They really got into God's Word. They prayed through it. They put a plan in place. They followed it, and boom, they're debt-free. Now, if you don't think that those things sound miraculous, if that doesn't sound like, you know, uh, driving out demons and raising people from the dead, you know what? The only reason it doesn't sound like that is because those are not the terminologies. Those are not the words that we use today to describe what has happened. Had that man been freed from pornography addiction in biblical times, they would have talked about driving out demons. I sincerely believe that. 
I, I think that's a demonic thing. If marriage is being restored, if you don't think that the enemy is out to destroy marriages, marriage is a gift from God. He gave it to Adam and Eve as a covenant. He gives it to all of us as this covenant. We, we join in that covenant, and we try to march forward in life and, and live as God called us to live, and the devil comes against us and tries to destroy what God has made. And sometimes he's victorious. Sometimes he's victorious, but you know what? When he fails, when he loses, I believe it's because God has done something miraculous because we're all sinners by nature. We're selfish. There's no place for selfishness and self-centeredness in marriage. And so for a marriage to be restored when the two people were already headed for divorce, they were done. I think God did something miraculous in their hearts to bring them back together. Miracles are happening. Financial freedom, are you kidding me? Find me somebody that you know that lives totally debt-free. Scarce in our world, isn't it? I think God does something miraculous when he overcomes our cultural, I don't know what to call it, phenomenon of living in debt. Miracles are happening right here in Elevation Church, through the people of Elevation Church, out in our community as we talk to others, as we lead people into a relationship with Christ. Miracles are happening. These are just things I know about over the last couple of years. Let's look at verses 44 and 45. Verses 44 and 45. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I couldn't have predicted two years ago these miracles that would have happened. I couldn't have predicted two years ago the teaching that God was going to do. And I certainly had no concept two years ago of what a financially faithful, what a generous church, Elevation Church, you would be. I took a job at UPS about four months before we launched Elevation Church. I went to work at 2 o'clock in the morning, got off at 9 o'clock in the morning, and I did that to help fund the movement of this church, to help fund the, the launch in the first few months. We had no idea what God was going to do. I was prepared to keep that job for two years or more. Trina and I were prepared to put the house on the market and downsize. We'd already tried that once when the real estate market went kaput. But, but we were prepared to do that. God didn't make us, but we were prepared to. We were prepared to go two years without me having any income at all from the church. We were prepared for all of that, prayed up, ready, saved up, good to go. Ready to sacrifice, do whatever needed to be done. Within 90 days of the launch, I quit my job at UPS so I could focus full-time on the ministry that God had before me. By September of 2011, I was able to take a part-time salary from the church. I've never missed a paycheck from the day we started that. We have two sources of funding that are people who do not attend this church. One is another church, and one is a family that I have a long-standing relationship with. Every other dollar that comes into this church, except for the two from there, comes from this church, you, the people in the seats. You're a faithful, financially generous church. Not only have I been blessed by that, because believe me, I didn't see it coming. Did not see it coming. Not only have we been blessed, but many, many others have been blessed as well. Over the last two years, we have participated in local mission work to the tune of feeding literally thousands of people. Homeless, maybe just down on their luck, have a roof over their head but can't afford to feed the family, can't afford to put groceries on the table. Wherever their situation was, when they came to the places where we set up to serve, we fed them. We didn't even ask questions. We just fed them. We've fed thousands of people who needed to be fed, not just bread and meat and food, but, but spiritual food, the bread of life, Jesus. We've shared the gospel with them as we have shared food with them. Fed thousands. You know what? We've invested hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands, I didn't even try to do a calculation, of man hours serving in Fort Worth and in Denton, these homeless populations, these people who are down on their luck, broke, less fortunate, whatever you want to call it. 
thousands probably of man hours invested in serving them, preparing meals, serving those meals, cleaning up, going into the, the camps as we talked about a few weeks ago, praying with them, providing for their physical needs. We've partnered with our community on a couple of different events. Picture of breaking bread up there from July of this last year is like nine, I don't know, 17, 16, I can't remember now, people. By the, at that time, we were averaging about 40 a weekend in attendance. Almost half the church showed up to serve the homeless in July of this year. That's amazing. When you come from a church of, of double-digit thousands, tens of thousands, sometimes we'd go do service projects, we wouldn't have any more than that show up. To come from a church of 40 and have that, amazing. God's doing amazing things. You guys are generous. You're faithful financially with your time. It's amazing. We've donated over 150 pounds of meat to these homeless missions in Fort Worth and Denton. A lot of it was, was uh, venison and wild hog, stuff that, that hunters in the church have killed. Some of it's been beef and, and other things, canned goods, boxed goods, clothing, sleeping bags, all of these things to help preserve life, to meet people's needs, to just give them some comfort, to share the love of Christ with them. Right here in our church, this year, in 2012, this last year, we helped two families avoid foreclosure. Two families who, who were on the brink. We're able to do little things to help them so that they could funnel their resources and, and avoid foreclosure. One family lost their home. We helped them avoid homelessness, helped them find and fund the move-in expenses to get to another house. I didn't do that. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> if it was up to me, we wouldn't have had the resources to do that. You did that. God did that through you, through your faithfulness, through your willingness to sacrificially give. Maybe you had to sell your possessions like it talks about the believers did in the early church. Maybe you just had to forego something that was comfortable for you. Maybe you gave up smoking or drinking soda to, to find the funds to do it. I don't know. I don't know what sacrifices you made. don't know what you did. Don't, all I know is that you're a generous church and you've provided financially for God's church that there is food in his house so that we can share the gospel with our community so we can meet physical and spiritual needs because there are people who are starving for food and starving for God right outside those doors. We also support church planting even though we're really just a church plant ourselves. If you were here last weekend, you met my friend Stephen Dilla. Stephen and his wife Emily and their children began a, a church movement in New York City called ICON, E-I-K-O-N. It's a Greek word, I forgot what it means. But ICON New York, it's a new movement of, of church in New York City. Cool tagline, not even sure what that means. What I do know is this, Stephen and his wife Emily are committed. Family of four lives in 600 square feet, 20-something stories up in a high-rise apartment building in New York City. They're there not for their benefit, but for the benefit of those around them. One of the most unchurched places in North America, New York City. One of the most influential places in North America, New York City. They're there to share the love of Jesus, to, to pour the gospel out, to meet people's needs physically and spiritually, to do the work of the Lord, to be His church. They've spent two years getting ready for this. They've been up there like six months now got there just in time to get wiped out by the hurricane. He talked about that last week if you were here. Talked about the work that they did through that. 20-something stories up with two children, one toddler, one infant, no electricity, 20-something flights of stairs several times a day to get groceries and to go serve and meet the needs of others, to bring water up, just to charge their cell phones through solar generators or whatever they could find so they could communicate with the outside world and communicate with the people they were serving with to meet the needs of, of that city and its inhabitants. We, for the last year and change, have sent them 5% of our net receipts every month. 5%. Whatever the church brings in, 5% of it. Whatever you bring, when you bring the tithe, when you bring the offering, 5% of that goes to help fund that movement in New York City. The other 5%, we, we tithe as a church. We believe the tithe is just as valid for the church as it is for the individual. We tithe as a church. The other 5%, and really it's a little bit more than that, goes back into our local missions efforts, doing the breaking bread ministry, 
clothing, feeding people, meeting the needs, the pastoral care, the people in the church, providing groceries and rent help and things like that. Frankly, when we launched 2012, I sat down with the leadership team, I sat down with the board of directors, and I sat down with our accountant. We had no idea how to plan a budget off of one year's numbers, first year. So we made up a number. <laughs> Took a wild stab in the dark. We added 50% to 2011's receipts and said, that's our budget. You reached that number two weeks before the end of 2012. Elevation Church last year took in $90,000. On January the 9th, 2011, I had no idea. I couldn't have foreseen what God was going to do. I had no idea what generous people He was going to bring. No idea what miraculous works He was going to do. No idea what plans He had for us. Last weekend, the entire offering went to fund Icon. It was a bonus. They got their Christmas bonus. It was a week late, but they were happy to get it. So they got their 5% that we set aside for them. And because you achieved a budget number you never knew and that we had no basis for other than prayer and a wild stab in the dark, they took home an extra like 1400 bucks that they weren't counting on last weekend. Thank you, Elevation Church. Thank you, God. Where are we? Verses, what, 46 and 47? Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. We'll pause there halfway through 47. Gathering weekly to worship, we do that. We talked about that already, our worship and teaching. What I want to talk about in this passage, this verse, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. I call that doing life together. Doing life together. I started my ministry in small groups, and that's exactly what we did. We taught people to do life together. We gave them an opportunity to do life together. We gave them a place to come, to meet to get to know, develop relationships, and to do life together. Elevation Church, I've watched over the last year as you guys have begun to do life together. Mark played in a band for a while outside of the church, probably does again, I don't know, but they played a little, little apertivos, a little place in a strip center over here. We went to hear them one night. There were four other, three other families from the church there. Didn't know they were going to be there doing life together outside of the church. I've called different people at different times and found that you're having lunch or having dinner with another couple, another family from the church. I know the Thorntons one night, we called over there and were like 72 kids, I think, in their backyard because they had a, a family or two from the church was over. I don't know. Like, I don't know how their trampoline ever survived. There's been many times that Trina and I have done the same thing. We enjoy going out to eat lunch, having dinner, having you guys over, going out with y'all, enjoying a movie, enjoying shows. And I hear about all of you, or many of you, doing life together outside of the church. Some of the men have gotten together and gone hunting before. Love that. Some of the men have gotten together and done a breakfast prayer meeting and Bible study. And we're going to do some more of that. The ladies have ladies night uh, the first Tuesday, second Tuesday. Get my math right. Second Tuesday, I think, of every month, which is... A couple days from now, we'll talk about that in announcements. We're doing life together outside of the church. And you know what? By and large, I've not had to plan that. I've not had to organize that. It's not been programming that we've put together. Frankly, with the exception of men's and women's, none of it's been stuff we've programmed. It's been stuff that you guys have done as the church, drawing close with one another, drawing close with the Lord, and developing those relationships. And I'm loving watching this church knit together to become one, to become a unit. The thing I want to challenge you with is to continue doing this with each other and with others outside of these walls, with the people who don't come here on Sundays, who are not joining us with, to worship and to be taught. Continue doing life together as the church and continue to invite people into that life as you operate as the church outside these walls. That's one of the key ways to introduce people to Jesus. When Trina and I were just getting started in church and I was saved, but that was about it, 
In fact, I'm not even sure it was legit yet. It was really a fire insurance relationship that I had with God. It was like, you know, you're going to get me out of hell free and we're going to be good, right? It was, that's where I was when we started going to a small group Bible study. Started developing relationships with people from that small group. And God did amazing things in my heart as I saw them operate in their relationship with Him. As I saw them trust Him through tragedies and through trials. As I saw them worship Him, praise Him when things were good and when things were bad. When I saw that group rally around each other, mourn together and praise together, eat together, go to church together, go on vacation together. It was cool. And we got involved with that, and God just radically changed our understanding of what it is to be the church. Before that, we thought church was something you went to. Then we realized church is something you're part of and that you literally are. Being the church means doing life together outside these four walls and bringing other people in. When you do that, check out what the Bible says, not what Todd says, what, the, what God says happens. It says you enjoy the favor of all the people. That's not just the people here, that's the people out there. We need to build favor with the people who are far from God. We need to build favor with them so that they can understand what it is we're about. Frankly, it's not even what we're about, it's what God's about. It's His pursuit of them that He loves them so much that He gave His Son to die for them, to pay the penalty for their sins. As Jim's already said, in spite of knowing everything that they would do. We need to build favor with them, and one of the greatest ways is to invite them in as we do life together outside of these four walls. As we do life together out there and they join us in that, you know what, they'll join us in here. And this may be where they hear the gospel. Out there maybe where they hear it. I don't know. Don't think you've got to bring somebody to church to share the good news with them. You can share the good news with them out there, which leads us into our next point, the second half of verse 47. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I can't say that we've had it happen on a daily basis. But over the last two years, 19 people have made decisions for Christ in these four walls, in Elevation Church. 19 people have made decisions for Christ. Some of those were recommitting their life to Christ. Some of those have been first-time decisions. Six of those first-time decisions... We've baptized those folks. These pictures up here tell the story of life change. Children and adults alike, lives changed, eternities altered. These are people who walked into these four walls hell-bound and who will leave this life into eternal life with Jesus because of what God has done in you and through you, Elevation Church. They Got it. They got it. You look up there and see if you recognize some of those faces. Some of them are related to you. Some of them are your neighbors, your friends, your family. Some of them are you. Eternity's altered. Real life gained. This is what God has done in the last two years. We didn't do it. He did it through us. You and I, we made ourselves available. Sometimes didn't even know what we were doing. We just kind of foolishly walked in to what God was doing and said, okay, I'm in. Where do I go? What do I do? And either I or some volunteer leader here or the Lord himself pointed you in some direction and off you ran. And because of what you did, moving chairs or setting up sound equipment or tweaking on dials back there, making coffee, setting out signs, going and serving the homeless. I don't know, greeting Something you did, something you set it up for somebody to hear the good news, to respond to the good news, to find salvation in Christ. This is awesome. No, God hasn't added daily to the number of being saved, but in two years from a small movement, 12 people in a living room, 19 decisions for Christ, six baptized, and we're only getting started. The journey is just beginning. This is something to celebrate, folks. 
I hope that fires you up and gets you excited. I hope that gives you a burning, passionate desire to do more. Because God is not finished. He's not finished in our world. He's not finished in our community. And He's not finished in Elevation Church. He has stuff to do. And He wants to do it with you. Do you want to do those things with Him? Do you want to be a part of His movement? Decision's yours. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going with him. I'm rolling. You can jump on board and roll with us or not, and we'll love you anyway. We'll even keep letting you come in. Maybe. <laughs> no, we will. But we're going to do everything we can to get you involved, to be a part of what God is doing, to get engaged in his church and in this movement. Because you know what? He's not done. He's not done. We've been praying now for several months, myself and the leadership team and a couple of families that have both given us counsel and that we've talked to about where we are as a church and where God might be taking us and what this journey might look like over the next 12 months. We've been praying and praying and listening and listening. As I prayed, what I heard back from God you know, God, where are we going in 2013? What do you want from us? What do you want from me? What do you want for me? What do you want for us, for our community? What, God? I heard the, the phrase, know me. Well, that's vague. Don't you hate it when God does that? I mean, you don't, but you do. Like, you don't want to tell God you hate it when he does that, but you really do. I hate it when God does that. So I prayed some more. What does that mean, know me? leadership team is praying we had talked we've talked about it many times and all these things came together and the answers to our prayers and I started thinking about and, and trying to to wrap my mind around where God was taking us and quite frankly I got it boiled down to one word I like simplicity my mind is kind of simple the word is this multiply multiply I hate math Multiply. Really, God? Multiply. Multiply what? God says, know me. Multiply your faith. I believe God wants us to multiply our faith. To really know him. Not know about him. I can teach you all day long. I can teach you until I'm blue in the face. We could come together and be taught seven days a week, 365 days a year, and go nowhere eternally. Go nowhere spiritually. Not know about me, know me. Multiply your faith. Over the next 12 months, everything we do will run through a filter. And part of that filter will be multiplying faith. And if it doesn't multiply our faith, there's a good chance we won't do it. There's a really, really good chance we won't do it. I want at the end of this year for you and I to look back on these 12 months and say, my faith was multiplied. I know Jesus better than I did when this year started. Not that I know about him, but I know him more intimately, more personally. He's more real to me than ever before in my life because of the last 12 months, what God has done in and through Elevation Church. Multiply your faith. Also, as we multiply our faith, look, I think faith is multiplied sometimes by teaching. That's part of it. you got to know something. But I think it's a much more important thing to do something with what you know. So when you're taught, you've got to take that teaching and do something with it. You don't really know it till you do it. You don't know it till you live it. And so I want us to multiply our ministry. As a church, we need to expand our ministry, expand our horizons. We're serving in Denton homeless people right now, a couple hundred people a month. You know what? We're expanding right now. We're trying to make inroads in Louisville. With a homeless population there, with a population similar to what we serve in Denton, right here closer to home. We're not getting rid of Denton. We're trying to form church partnerships up there that we can hand that ministry off to and multiply our ministry here closer to home in Louisville. We're going to multiply our ministry as a church, and you, as a function of that, I, as a function of that, must multiply our individual ministries. Every believer is called to be a minister. Every member of this church is a minister. Some of you haven't discovered your ministry yet. We're going to work hard this year to help you discover and apply God's design for you in ministry. 
going to multiply our ministry. And as the leadership team prayed, most of what they came back with was that we need to grow the church. We need to multiply this church. We need to multiply the kingdom of God. See, when we grow the church, all we're doing is growing the kingdom. We don't grow the church for the, for the sake of us growing the church. Numbers are only significant in that numbers represent people, and people matter to God, period. I don't care if we're 40 people or 4,000 people. Whoever the people are, we need to be multiplying the ministry. We need to be bringing them into a relationship with the Lord, period. Leadership team prayed. They said, we've got to grow the church, Todd. I said, I agree. We need to multiply the kingdom. We need to do that through evangelism. Now, evangelism scares people. That's simply sharing your faith with somebody else. Some people are scared of it. Some people are excited about it. Doesn't matter where you are in that spectrum. This next year, we're going to work hard to help every person that's a part of this church become comfortable sharing your testimony with somebody else. That's one of my goals this year is that every one of you at the end of this year can comfortably share your testimony with somebody who doesn't know Jesus and do it in a way that they can hear what you have to say and receive the good news. If we'll do that as a church, we will multiply the kingdom of God and we will grow this church at the same time. We're going to spend the next 12 months multiplying. These three multiplications, they are our roadmap for this leg of the journey. Everything we do will be about multiplying the kingdom, the ministry, and our faith. Everything that we have done, everything that God has done over the past two years is about to be multiplied. I love this, this whole idea of multiplication, this thing. I, I love it because, A, I believe it's 100% God-given. It is biblical. It fits with our mission of leading people to know Jesus personally, to grow in faith through relationships, and to go share the love of the Lord with others. It's fully in line with everything God called us to do from the beginning, prepared us to do all along, and is now telling us to go and do. And it's very specific. I've run out of time to share the specifics with you, so you'll have to discover them over the next several weeks through the series we're about to start called Red Ink. Red Ink is a series all about what Jesus says. In many Bibles, the words of Christ are printed in red ink. We're going to spend our time in the red ink. I have no idea how long the series will be. Usually I tell you it's going to be a four-week series, a six-week series. It's a one-off. No idea. Months. Dwelling on the words of Christ, unpacking what He is saying, and learning to apply it in our lives as we take it and multiply. I hope you guys are prepared to go on the journey. I hope you're prepared because God's not done with us. We've only just begun.